Right. Kind of hard to think of little Natalie going off to New York for college. I think I, I think I got to hold her before her grandmother did, didn't I? If I remember right, I did. Hey guys, we're uh, we're going to continue in this series. If you want to, if you if you got your Bible, will you take them out and turn to Acts chapter twenty-seven? We're going to be in there the whole time. Uh, today we're going to be uh, continuing this series on turning how God turns setbacks into comebacks. And in the last couple of weeks, we've been looking at different kinds of of setbacks and how people in the Bible have handled. And today we're going to look at how uh, when your setback isn't your fault. Because I know for myself, it's easier to handle a a setback when it's caused by my own mistakes. But not so much when it's caused by someone else's mistakes or their poor decisions or um, their sins. And those of you that have been hurt by other people know exactly what I'm talking about. Amen? Y'all know what I'm talking about? Now, that's, this is the way that I check my sound. I told them in the nine o'clock service because I can't, sometimes I just feel like I'm just talking and I don't know if you can hear me. So when I ask you guys a question, just say something back, all right? So, thank you. Thank you, that helps me. Now, you may be, uh, I don't know what all you, you, know, you came in the doors with, but you may be uh, dealing with a divorce right now that you didn't want or even a bankruptcy that, that, that wasn't your fault. Or you might have inherited some problems from your parents. You might have lost your job uh, from, a, from a company that, that just got bought out. And some of you guys struggle with, with, with identity of, of some evil person that hurt you. You know, and as your pastor, I, you know, I hurt with you. And I'm sorry for what's been done to you. And, and the, these storms of life, and some of them are not your fault. They're just not your fault. But they can still wreak havoc on your health, your hope, and your happiness. And I'm sorry they happened to you. And, and so we're going to see today how God can, can take those setbacks and, and, and turn them into to comebacks. And um, in Acts 27, we're going to see uh, how some suffer because of some, some foolish choices of other people and how we need to trust God for a comeback from a setback that's caused by someone else. This is a story of, of how uh, Paul survived a shipwreck that was not his fault. To give you a little bit of background, Paul had always wanted to go to Rome to, to preach uh, the gospel. Now, he didn't want to go this way. God sent Paul to Rome as a prisoner. He didn't realize it would be that way and, and to be put on trial for a crime he did not uh, commit. But through his Roman um, heritage, he, he was able to appeal to Caesar and it got him a free ticket to Rome. But it, not on a cruise ship, but a prisoner ship. And he was a, he was a prisoner. And so they were, they were at this island 
and they hadn't taken off in time. They had kind of stayed in the port too long, and fall was quickly approaching, and then winter. And it was unsafe to travel in the winter. And, and Paul, uh, God talks to Paul and tells him, said, you need to tell the captains to wait. You need to tell the captains to wait. It's unsafe to travel. Well, he told them, but, but the crew was impatient. Uh, they didn't, they didn't want to wait. And so they sailed into a storm. Paul told them, said, we're going to be shipwrecked, and, and, and more than likely all of us will die. We're going to sail right into a storm. But they went anyway. The crew ignored Paul and what God had told him. And uh, just as God had told Paul, the ship was destroyed in a huge, huge storm. At the top of your outline, verse 41, says the ship struck a reef and ran aground as it was repeatedly smashed by the forces of the storm's waves, the ship began to break apart. Well, what does this have to do with us in 2019? Well, I believe it's going to answer three very important questions. And, and I'll just get to the first one right off. The first question is this. I've gotten it written down there. What causes people to make poor choices that lead to setbacks and storms? What causes them? What causes them to do this? Well, here's the first thing I believe, if you want to write these down. When we listen to ungodly advice, that's the first thing that leads us to make poor decisions and setbacks. When we listen to ungodly advice, Acts 27, 9 and 10 says, much time had been lost and the day of fasting had passed. So by now, it had become dangerous to sail because of the fall weather. So Paul warned the sailors with this advice. Men, I have perceived that our voyage is going to be disastrous. If we sail now, we'll lose the cargo and the ship and likely our own lives too. Look what the centurion that was in charge of the... But the Roman officer in charge of the prisoners didn't listen to Paul. Instead, he followed the advice of the pilot and the owner of the ship. Now... Have you ever been given bad advice? Have you? I've been given plenty of bad advice. Yes or no? Yeah, yeah, amen. Now, have you ever been overruled by an expert? Have the experts always been right? Amen. What I found is 20 years of being your pastor is that some people will even use experts to validate their biases. They'll use experts to do this. They will keep asking experts until they find somebody that agrees with them. Would y'all agree with me? They'll keep asking somebody they'll find somebody to agree with. They don't really want advice. They just want someone to reinforce what they really want to do. Amen? They don't want you to change their mind. They just want you to agree with them. And say, this expert agrees with me. My point in this is that when God tells you not to do something, ignore all the experts that tell you to do it. 
my little advice to myself is if God doesn't give me a yes, it's a no. It's a no. The last thing I'll leave you with that is point is don't listen to ungodly advice. If that person is giving you from the advice and is not backed up by scripture, don't do it. Don't listen to ungodly advice. The second reason is this, cause people to make poor choices, is when we copy the crowd. When we copy the crowd, just means when we do what's popular. When we do what's popular. Or when we just kind of go with the flow. Verse 12 says, Then the crew decided that they should go ahead and sail up the coast of Crete because the what? Majority wanted to spend the winter in Phoenix and it had a nice harbor. Now this is not Phoenix, Arizona. They did not have a harbor in Phoenix, Arizona. So when you look at this, history shows us that the majority is sometimes wrong. Wouldn't you all agree? You can see it all throughout the United States. You can see it in the Bible. Remember the 12 spies that went into the promised land? Ten come back and said, we can't beat them boys. There's no, we better not go over there. Two came back and said, hey, we can, we, can, we can take them. We can whoop these guys. The two were right. The two were right. Now, so majority is wrong sometimes. Can you think of anybody that shipwrecked their life by following the crowd? I've shipwrecked before because I followed the crowd. Because I've done what was popular. Can you think of somebody that has done that? I said, yeah. Or no. Thank you. Third reason is this. You know why people make poor choices is when we count on circumstances instead of Christ. When we count on circumstances instead of Christ. What that just means is we listen to them, listen to our circumstances more than we do Jesus. I'm telling you guys, and, and also just because it looks good doesn't mean it is good. Everything that glitters is not gold. Verse 13 says, when a gentle wind, oh, I want you to really get this. When a gentle wind began to blow from the south, the crew thought they had obtained what they wanted and their plan would work. So they pulled up the anchor and sailed as close to the possible to the shoreline of Crete. I want you to really get that. The, uh, uh, a gentle wind began to blow from the south. Things are going smooth. It's a gentle wind. Say that with me. Gentle wind. It just makes you feel better. They're feeling pretty good. Got a gentle wind blowing. Well, have you ever thought that you were getting exactly what you wanted and then later realized that you were headed right into a storm? Y'all follow me? Y'all picking up what I'm laying down? Because you had a gentle wind blowing. Is it possible that you think what you, what you really, really want in life might just be setting you up for a shipwreck? Is it possible? You see, when we pay attention to, to circumstances, 
we don't pay attention to what God says and we listen to the crowd and we listen to our circumstances and what they say. Because it doesn't matter how favorable something looks. If God says no, then you are going to sail into a disaster. You're going to sail into a disaster. doesn't matter how it feels. doesn't matter about the circumstances. Because circumstances change. Remember the gentle wind? Look at the next verse 14. But shortly after, the weather changed suddenly. And a wind of hurricane force came out of the northeast and blew the ship out to sea. Out to sea, away from the coast. It wasn't gentle wind, remember? Gentle wind. But now a, a, a northeasterner came through, changed everything. Our circumstances can change. We don't make decisions based on our circumstances. Those three things will get you in trouble. Now the next question I want to answer today is this. What do I need to know about storms? What do you need? What do we need to know about storms? This chapter 27 is packed full of information. And, and, and why we need to know about storms? Because if you know about storms, then you won't be manipulated by them. You won't change what you think. You won't change what you do just because it's a storm. It's a trap a lot of storms put out there. The very first thing about what we know about storms is this. Number one, Storms can cause me to drift. Storms can cause me to drift. Yet, verse 15 says, The ship was caught in a storm, and the wind was so strong that they could not sail against it. They lost all control, so they stopped trying. They gave up and let the wind drive them, drifting in every direction. Sometimes storms can cause me to drift from my goal. There's a lot of insight to this, this one verse. There, 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 there's five ways where, where, a, where a setback or a storm can unconsciously, how it can unconsciously dominate your life. You see, number one, in a storm, you lose control of your plan. Number two, you, you stop trying. You're just tired. In a, in a storm, you, you, you almost want to give up. Number four, you become pressure given instead of uh, purpose driven. And, and the fifth thing this verse teaches us is you drift in every direction. That's what happens in a storm. And you need to know that, that those things are going to happen. And, and, and there's always this voice that, that you're going to get in a storm. You need to know these are coming so you'll, you'll know what to do, guys. I, I, I really want you to listen. There's always this voice that says, why do you want to save that? Why, why, why do you want to make this thing work? You, you know, why make the effort? Why make the effort? Those are going to come up. Every time you're in a storm. Now, my question for you guys is this. Have you let storms and setbacks make you drift in your life? Have you let them make you lose focus? 
In storms, we're often, we often try to control the uncontrollable. And we're just going in circles. Chasing our tails, as my mother used to say. Verse 17 says, Then the crew tied ropes around the ship to try to hold it together. Can you imagine? I thought about that. I put myself on that boat. I'm thinking, the ship's getting kind of sketchy. So they're trying to, to, to tie it with ropes. They were scared. So I got to ask you, if you're kind of headed into crash, what are you, what kind of ropes have you been trying to hold it all together with? What have you been trying to hold it all together with? What kind of ropes you been doing? Well, the second thing you need to know about a storm, this is important. I want to tell you something before I can get into this. You need to know this. I'm going to ask you if you, if you want me to, to, to pray for you as, as Lee and them closing a little bit. And a lady came up to me and she said, I want to pray. I'm not in a storm, but I want to pray for the ones that are struggling and going through a storm. If you're not in a storm right now, one's coming. One's coming. And that's what I told her. I said, I'm going to pray for you. One's coming. We're going to pray for those in the storm. We're going to pray for everybody. If you ain't in one now, hold on. One's coming. One's coming. So the, the second thing we learned about a storm is this. Storms can cause me to discard. Can cause me to discard. Discard what? What I used to value. They cause me to discard whatever I used to value. It, 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 it changes your priorities. It changes your values. Your priorities and values often change when you're in pain. Uh, after a setback or a struggle, they'll change. Some, some stuff just doesn't matter anymore. But then other stuff actually matters more. If you guys have ever had a long-term illness, you value health a lot more than you used to. Amen? 18 and 19 says this at the bottom. The next day, as gale force winds continued to batter the ship, the crew began throwing all the cargo overboard. The following day, they even threw out all the ship's equipment and anything else they could lay their hands on. I mean, first they threw out the cargo to lighten the load. Then they threw out the equipment that they needed to run the ship. Oh my goodness. Then later on we'll read where they even threw themselves or, or wanted to throw themselves overboard. Storms that, that we go through in 2019 can make us or, or want us, cause us to want to throw things away. I want to tell you, never make a major decision when you're depressed. It will always be the wrong one. Always be the wrong one. The third thing we need to learn from a storm is this. Storms can cause me to despair. To despair. On the back side of your page, verse 20 says this. The terrible storm raged unabated for many days. 
14, I believe it was. Blotting out both the sun and the stars until in the dark we finally gave up all hope of being saved. They're in the dark. They have no idea of, of where they're at. Remember, they threw out all the equipment that they used to sail with. Total darkness. They're just being tossed back and, 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 and forth. They, were, they felt doomed. They were, they were, they were finished. Over. They had given up hope. The last thing they gave up was hope. Hope is always the last thing to go. But they found it interesting, I'm sure, the soldiers and the, the sailors and the other prisoners, that Paul didn't give up hope. Paul had peace. Paul was confident. He, he was calm. I wrote this in my Facebook status. The, the, the true test of, of your faith is not how high you jump when you're shouting praises to God, but how straight you walk to the valley of the shadow of death. That's the true test. That's the true test of our, our faith. Now, how do you react? To, how do you react to setbacks? How do you react to storms? That's what we. That's what we got to look at, because anybody can be a fair weather follower of Jesus Christ. I want you to remember. Keep remembering that the storm ain't Paul's fault. This is what we're talking about today. What do you do when the storm ain't your fault? Remember, Paul warned them. And they ignored what God had told Paul. But Paul's still filled with hope. Even in these days of darkness. Well, how does Paul do this? When you're in a storm, guys, remember this. When you're in a storm, a setback, even if it's because of someone else's poor decisions, God can turn into a comeback. And you and I will need to remember the same three things that Paul did. And, and so the, the next question is, what should I remember when it feels hopeless? How can I anchor my life in the storm? Do y'all know what the oldest Christian symbol is? And it's not the cross. What did you say? No, it's not the fish. It's the anchor. The anchor is the oldest Christian symbol. In Hebrews it says, we have this hope. We have this hope as an anchor for our souls. So I want you to remember this is anchors in the storm. We're going to remember three. Uh, um, and it'll keep us from drifting. The first anchor is, is this. To remember that God is with me. Fill in that blank. Write that down. We got to remember in a storm, we got to remember that God is with me. You got to remember these things. If you ain't in a storm now, one's coming. Remember that God's with you, that you're not alone. I need you to remember that God has not abandoned you, no matter how dark it may seem. God ain't left. He ain't left. 21, 23, verses 21 says, Finally, Paul called the crew together and said, Men, if you had listened to me, you would have avoided all this injury and loss. But take courage. He got him a little I told you so in there. But it was with a purpose. He wanted to get their attention. Remember, guys, I was right. 
I was right only because God told me to. And I want to tell you something else. Take courage. None of you will lose your lives even though the ship will go down. For last night, an angel of God of the God I serve and belong to stood by me. Stood by me. That, underline that phrase, stood by me. And I want to talk to every one of you in here right now. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what struggle you're in. I don't even know if you're in one. But here's what I'm telling you. You can't see God. But right now, God is standing by you. Yes, he is. He's standing right by you. I think the word, the proper word that Bible people call is omnipresent, which means God can be everywhere at the same time. God is like that. Amen? He's standing right by you. I don't know what's going on with you right now, but I do know that God is with you. He's never been not with you. He's always been with you. And it has nothing to do with you feeling him being with you. God is with you. Second anchor I want you to remember is this, is the purpose of God. It is to remember that God's purpose is greater than the setback in this storm. Whatever your storm you're in, whatever setback you're having that you're going through right now, God's purpose is greater. I'm going to tell you something, guys. That gives me hope. Verse 24 says, Paul said this, God's angel said to me, don't be afraid, Paul, for you will certainly stand trial before Caesar. What's more, God in his goodness has granted safety to everyone else sailing with you. Sailing with you. God's purpose is greater than the storm or the setback that you're in. He said, you'll certainly face Caesar, not might, certainly. And because the people are with you, Paul, because they're just with you, their storms and setbacks not going to change God's purpose for them. Not going to change them for your life. Guys, God can, God can take your dumb decisions. He can take other people's uh, dumb decisions and fit them in the purpose for your life. I'm telling you, I'm a man standing here before you that should be a poster child for dumb decisions. I've made some this morning already. He's going to fit them for the purpose of my life. I'll make some more later on. I have hope because God's purpose is greater than my setback. He will take those dumb decisions that I make and others make and he will fit them in for the purpose of my life. The third anchor is this, is promise of God. I need you to remember this. Remember that God's promises can be trusted. Verse 25 and 26 says this. So keep up your courage, men, for I have faith in God that it will all turn out just as God promised. Nevertheless, we are all going to first be shipwrecked on some island. I love this because it tells me that Paul's faith was not in the ship. Paul's faith was not in the captain. Paul's faith was, faith was in God. He says, but we will be shipwrecked. We will be shipwrecked. But I want you to notice something. If you're in a storm right now, 
God has not promised to save your ship. If you're in a storm right now, God has not promised to save your ship. He has promised to save you. He's promised to save you. It is not nearly, it is not nearly as important to save your job as it is to save you. 30 and 32 says this. At one point, the sailors tried to abandon the ship, thinking their lifeboat would save them. But Paul said, you'll all die unless you stay with the ship. So the, mark through sailors put soldiers. I've got to miss. I must have just been thinking water and put sailors. But it's the soldiers cut the ropes and let go of their lifeboat. This is the thing I was telling them. The elders Wednesday morning, I said, I'm still on this, this thing here and I wasn't completely, didn't completely grasp it. Tuesday or Wednesday, I didn't get it to Wednesday about why Paul told the soldiers to, to cut the lifeboats. Paul was wanting to teach everybody something. Sailors, prisoners, soldiers. You've got to let go of your lifeboat. In a storm, you, you're going to have to let go of your lifeboat. What I mean by that is whatever you put your trust in to save you, you've got to let go of your lifeboat. So my question is this for you guys. I want you to think about this. What man-made, puny, little lifeboat have you been holding on to for your security? What have you been holding on to? Is it your appearance? The way you look? Is that your lifeboat? Well, I got to tell you, you better let go of it. My lifeboat's almost sailed in my appearance. Is it your money? You've been holding on to your money? Guess what? You may have kids one day. That lifeboat is yet gone. That lifeboat is sale. Is it your academics? Or your athleticism? Some people still, still hung in the 12th grade. My age, still talking about the touchdown they made. That ship is sailed, brother. <laughs> Let go of it. I listened to a friend of mine. He's older now. A friend showed me that one of his songs was on YouTube. And he showed me this part that came up. One of the most angelic voices I've ever heard in my life. He was part of a quartet years ago. I said, that is beautiful. Never heard anything like it. No way. Because I've heard him sing lately and it's not like that anymore. It's not that good. He said, oh, but he used to. 
But he lost it. He lost it. Guys, we got to be careful putting our faith and trust into something that can be taken away. Which means you don't have true security. If your security is in your, your, your personality, you don't have true security. If your security is in your bank account, you don't have true security. If your security is in your talent, it can be taken away. You heard Lee's testimony. The only true security is when you put your trust into something that can't be taken away. And that's Jesus Christ. What's your lifeboat? What's your little lifeboat? I don't care how hard you work. It's not security. What have you been holding on to? What have you been thinking that will save you? Is it your good works? Is it your wonderful personality? Guys, I'll say it again because I really want you to get it. Only Jesus can save you. But first, you've got to let go of that lifeboat. You've got to let go of your lifeboat. And know that the safest place for you and I to be is in the center of God's will. So I've got to tell you again, let go of anything that might be saving you and turn to Christ. Look what happens next, 34 and 36. Then Paul said, please eat something for your own good, for not a hair of your heads will perish. Then he took some bread and gave thanks to God before them all and ate it. Then everyone was encouraged. I couldn't believe it. They were in the storm and Paul said, let's eat. These guys are scared. Prisoners, sailors, soldiers. And Paul said, let's eat. Part of the reason Paul said, let's eat, because he knew some of them was about to go swimming. And they needed the strength to swim. But I got to think about this. If I'm in the middle of a, of a storm, and here's someone who's very calm, confident, and at peace, that's going to be encouraging to me. Guys, there's power. As, as Paul gave thanks for the bread, there's power in gratitude. Guys, I want to tell you, an attitude of gratitude relaxes people around you. It relaxes people around you. This chapter ends with an amazing comeback. Last verse. When daylight came, the officer ordered those who could swim to jump overboard and swim to the island. The rest grabbed pieces of wood from the broken ship to float on. But everyone made it safely to shore. Now the centurion, the officer, trusted in, in, in Paul, but mostly trusted in the God who spoke to Paul. Took an enormous amount of trust to do that. You see, when a centurion is responsible for those prisoners, if he loses one, he pays for that with his life. And to tell them to swim. 
everyone on that ship was saved because of Paul. Here's my thing. Paul wants to use you. I mean, God wants to use you too. Every one of you. The person next to you in the seat next to you, God wants to use you to help someone else. If you're battling a storm, if you're battling a, a setback, I pray and I, I dare you to let God use you in hospitality to help other people go through storms like Paul did. I dare you. In the middle of a storm, let God use you. Everyone has some sort of influence. Everyone here. It might be with hundreds of people, thousands of people, or one person. Use your influence to help other people in those storms, even while you're in the middle of it too. So I've got to ask you, we're, cl we're closing up. I'm going to close it with some questions that I would like for you to answer. Do you ever feel like you're drifting? Do you ever feel like you don't have a purpose? Do you feel like you're being tossed back and forth right now? Are you tempted to, to discard something, to throw it away today? Whether it's a relationship, are you tempted to throw away a dream? Are you tempted to throw away a job? Are you tempted to throw away a, a, a marriage, a responsibility? Is there anything, did you come here today with anything causing despair in you? Whether it's illnesses, whether it's finances, whether it's relationships, here's what I want to tell you. Don't give up. Don't give up. Hold on to these three truths that God is with me, God's purpose is greater than any setback and that God can be trusted. Remember those three things. Don't make decisions based on your feelings. God is with you. God's purpose is greater than any setback you're experiencing right now and that God can be trusted. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you. I thank you that in the storms, you are near. Even when I can't see, even when I can't feel you, I know that you're near. God, in these setbacks and in these storms, your purpose for me, for each and every one here today is greater, is greater than the troubles I'm going through, is greater than the setback. And God, I trust you for a comeback. I trust you for a comeback. That you will rescue. And I trust you and I, I can't wait for people to say, that couldn't have been him, that couldn't have been her. You're right. God had to do it. And you get the glory. I trust you that I trust you and believe that Natalie's ankle is going to be really good. 
I trust you that there's going to be some relationships restored. That somebody came in today wanting to throw it away. But they leave today knowing that your purpose is greater than any problems and struggles they're having. I praise you because somebody came in today going to throw away a friendship over something silly and they got mad. Nope. I praise you because people are going to start listening to you and the word of God instead of ungodly advice. Don't care if they grew up with them. If it ain't from the word, I pray that my people won't listen to them anymore. We love you. And it's in the mighty name of Jesus I pray. Amen.